Hi, and welcome to Cause Pods. I'm your host, Matthew Passy. Here at Cause Pods, we have one simple mission to highlight the amazing folks who are using podcasts as a way to raise awareness for good causes. Whether it's a nonprofit they work with, a charity they support, a social justice campaign they're championing, a medical condition they're battling, or someone who's just looking to make a positive impact on their local community, state, country, or the world. These are podcasters with a positive mission. Along with raising awareness for our guests' favorite cause, we're also going to see if we can raise some money to support their efforts. So make sure you check out the show notes for each episode at causepods.org to learn more about what they're doing and how to help them achieve their goals. Joining me today on Cause Pods is the host of the So Unbecoming podcast. Her name is Jamie Muskoff, and this is a podcast focused on the military spouses and their families and what happens to those who support our fighting men and women and who put it all on the line to protect this great nation. Jamie, thank you so much for joining me here today on Cause Pods. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So, Jamie, I'm going to go out on a limb here, but I'm going to assume that you have family members that are in the armed services. I do. My husband is active duty Navy submarine officer, and we have been a military family for just over the last eight years. He's been serving for about 15 years now. Wow. Well, of course, and I don't say this just because you have to, but we do thank him for his service and for what he is doing to protect this country and our ideals. Thank you. But this isn't about him. This is about (laughs) you and this is about the other spouses and children and other relatives of military personnel. So tell me, what was the onus for starting So Unbecoming? So just to give you a little bit of background, I am in a professional capacity. I am a project manager at Microsoft, and I am part of an initiative that they started last year for military spouses. It's called the Military Spouse Technology Academy, or MSTA. And we're just wrapping up the pilot program of that. And so right before I started working as project manager there, I really was just coming off of a six-year career gap. So I left my career in civil service with the Department of the Navy in order to raise the family that I had just started with my new husband at the time. And so I spent those five, six years away from the workforce myself. And in that time, I did lots of different things, volunteering, definitely some entrepreneurship. But in that process, over time, what I realized is just from talking to my own friends that I was not the only person who was having a bit of a struggle living a stay-at-home mom and wife life as a result of my spouse's career. There's a lot of things that relate to our just feelings of self-worth and the feeling of watching your spouse continue to achieve things in their own career. And then you sort of sitting back going, okay, I just had a baby throw up on me today (laughs) and I used to have a really cool job. And then now what? Now what am I doing? With all them in mind, and then also with me wanting to get back into the workforce, because my children started to be of the age where they could go back to school and I didn't have to worry about them baby care for them. I decided to go back to school. And so I ended up returning to school to finish a master's degree that I had already started like 10 years before. And so I finished a master's degree in information systems. And then I did that as part of the conditions for starting a master's program, uh, a Master of Science in Information and Knowledge Strategy at Columbia University. And that was in August of 2016. So I went back to school to prepare myself to get back into the profession I was in, which is knowledge management. And again, went through that process, finished, and then realized, okay, 
now what? Am I? How am I going to get back to work? And fortunately, I was recruited for this position at Microsoft. But before that, I had tried to start a consulting firm, which I, I did, and I was helping small businesses, but it just didn't feel fulfilling. I thought maybe I love this work, but I'm just, I feel like I'm not serving the right audience. And so I turned my attention to military spouses because it just kept coming back to that whole idea that military spouses are feeling like they want to get back into the workforce, but there are so many obstacles in order to do that. So with all that, that's really the background of where So Unbecoming came from. It's interesting. I think when people, when I was looking at your show, and one of the first things you talk about is statistics of unemployed or underemployed, initially people are going to think, oh, military spouses can't find a job, but it's less about whether or not they can find a job and whether or not they are able to as you said, sort of have that fulfillment in their life. Like there's so many other things they have to take care of while their spouses are away and doing their thing. And so I think everything you said is really interesting. But so at what point did you think that this kind of advice, this kind of support that you want to provide and that you want to work out with other people, when did you think this was right for a podcast versus say other mediums for getting out there? So interestingly, in the beginning of last year, I thought of starting a podcast and I did. I did a a few different trial podcasts for myself just to test out the medium and just to test out just what the response would be from people if they would be even interested in listening to a podcast that had to do with any kind of military life. And I'd started with a podcast called JTF Homefront or Joint Task Force Homefront because one of the things I thought about was the fact that Really, military couples do better when we operate as a team with a very team mentality. So it's not just about one person doing what they're doing at home and the other person doing what they're doing out in the workforce or in the military. It's more about, okay, what do we do together that can create a better life for us? So as far as the podcast So Unbecoming, I think the medium is perfect because one, it's portable. I know that as military spouse, I'm always busy running around. And so that thought of having this available on someone's phone, in the car, and that it's so shareable and that we could be sharing it with many different audiences, that's what made me go toward a podcast versus, let's say, creating a blog about it or doing something else. Video, I'm not 100% comfortable with the medium and therefore that's not why I'm there, but I will be there (laughs) eventually. But that's why I went with podcast. Well, and I guess, like you said, when you're talking about military spouses, that they're at home with kids potentially, or even just taking care of the home, right? They're doing chores, they're out and about, they're trying to stay healthy and exercise. And right, like a podcast is very portable, a very great way to sort of get into people's ears in a place where they're going to be able to listen and comfortably. So as far as what have been some of the, you said you've tried launching a couple of podcasts before this, but as you've been doing this, what have been some of the more unique challenges that you have found to having a podcast for this cause and for getting the word out there about it? So I think we always, and maybe this is a thing for all podcasters, but I feel like I really value the trust of my audience. I value the trust because it's not just an audience, it's my community. So military spouses are the community I'm a part of, and I don't want to, under any circumstances, sort of violate the rules of our community, the unspoken rules of our community, 
or appear as though I'm self-promoting or things like that. I really truly have the heart and the passion for sharing other people's stories. And that's what counts to me. So one of the challenges I would see there is just publicizing or promoting my podcast because I do share it in certain groups. I share it mostly on my LinkedIn profile because that is my professional space and my podcast has to do with employment. So that makes sense. But as far as just putting it all out there, that's been a little bit of a challenge and maybe that's just a constraint I put on myself. But I definitely don't want it to come across as I'm self-promoting me because the stories really are about other military spouses and the community that we belong to. So that's a challenge. I think just the ability to record things, because the other thing is my guests are always somewhere else, not near me. Sometimes they're across the world. I think I interviewed or was on an interview with someone from Germany, and there'll be another person on the podcast that is stationed currently in Germany. So it was like, okay, what's the best way to record this? And at first I thought, okay, I'm just going to record and I'm not really going to care too much about the quality. However, being the daughter of a musician and the wife of a musician, that really didn't last very long because I thought, okay, really hating the poor quality of recording using Zoom or some other technology that isn't meant for good quality podcast recording. So that's when I hopped on the podcast movements group and was just kind of searching around trying to find what's the best way to get better quality. So, and I found that using Squadcast. Good to hear calls pods and do fully endorse Squadcast. <laughs> I love them. They're great. Not just a good tool, but good people too that are running that company. Yes. And then I would say the last challenge maybe for people to overcome in general is just the technical things of getting in there and editing. I think it's a, it's rather simple to do and it's really fun for me to do because just as a side note, as a little kid with just a tape recorder in my hand, my brother and I used to pretend like we were on the radio all the time and we'd make like fake radio shows and fake commercials and things. And then actually at one point in my life, I had a four track recorder because my dad was a musician and I loved mixing things. This is back when I was a teenager or preteen. So just the idea of pretending like you're on the radio <laughs> on a podcast and having all these cool digital tools now, it's fantastic. So it's a fun activity for me to do, but it does take a little bit of learning if you want to get good at it and, and better at it over time. Yeah. No, I mean, you said it right there. Like the key to it is mostly just practice. And a lot of the people that we've spoken to on cause pods, either they spent a lot of time learning how to do it through repetition, they've gotten better, more efficient, or they've actually been able to potentially outsource that work to someone who can help them out with that, which if you can get that great, if not, I think as Jamie's pointing out, like anybody really can do this. It just takes a little bit of time and a little bit of patience. I want to go back a little bit more to how you actually help and work with these spouses and family members. You talked about your LinkedIn profile and helping folks get jobs. What are some of the unique challenges to helping these folks get jobs? Is it finding jobs that are close to where they live, which is often close to bases or even living on bases? Is it finding the type of work that allows them the flexibility to also take care of the family because they're doing it alone right now. What are some of those challenges that most people might not be thinking about with this world? So I will tell you, I'm also a doctoral student at the University of Southern California in the School of Social Work. And my graduate capstone project there, my doctoral capstone project there, focuses on exactly this topic. So I am underwater with research right now. <laughs> so this is a dangerous question to ask me because I have a lot of information on this topic. But the thing that really 
we need to emphasize is that it's not so much that military spouses can't find jobs. Jobs are available everywhere. It's really about being able to maintain a career. And that to me is different than being able to move to another place, pick up a retail job here or there, which will give you money, but maybe isn't going to give you the continuity or the growth that you want to see. And that is, I would say, number one challenge for military spouses is career continuity specifically. And why this matters is because in a recent last year survey by an organization called Blue Star Families, they measure or they survey for what are the stressors in your life? What are the largest stressors in military family life? And for the first time ever in history, finances was listed as the top stressor for military families. And there is a very distinct tie between a military family's capability to maintain dual careers. So for a military spouse to actually have a career that's continuous, that's growing, that allows you to save enough money to build assets, it's a big problem. It stresses the problem, but it's also just the ability for the financial capability for a military family is limited by not being able to work and work continuously in a profession that you love. So a lot of times I think people don't understand like, well, you guys can just go get jobs. Yes, you can go get a job, but you still have to worry about childcare. And that is the number one challenge. I think that's true for most families is finding proper childcare. It's a little bit more challenging for us as military families, I believe, because we are picking up and moving from place to place. So it's not like we have that nice core group of people that we know we can reach into for support. We've got to figure out good, trustworthy childcare care. Some other challenges for military spouses in terms of employment are just discrimination. So most people, if they're familiar with the military, know that we tend to move every two to three years. And there are still employers that believe that that's a bad thing. And knowing about that in advance is a bad thing. And therefore, whether they say it explicitly or not, which many of them will say explicitly, can't hire you because you're a military person, that causes us to not be able to be employed in positions that we are qualified for or even overqualified for. And that's kind of a ridiculous sort of discrimination because especially right now, never in history, I think, have we been at a point where most people in the employment space, just regular civilians, are rotating through jobs as quickly as they are. So, you know, a two to three year time span at one employer in what a single position is kind of the standard. So it's kind of like, well, would you rather know that someone is leaving in two to three years, knowing that they're qualified and capable? Or are you just going to take the risk of somebody who you don't know they're going to leave, but you kind of can predict they're going to leave anyway? At least with a military spouse, you have that ability to plan for a separation. And also, because we are such a well-connected network, you have the potential of being able to find a replacement for that person, maybe in another military spouse. So that's definitely it. There are also other things in our community that are going to be part of my research. And that's just the overall tradition of the military and the culture inside the military. Because I'm not sure if you're aware, but for the longest time, a military spouse's employment actually had an impact on the military member's career. Like there was literally a line on the fitness report or the job evaluation for a service member asking their supervisor to comment on the employment of a military spouse. <laughs> it's just, a, it's a bizarre thing, but it wasn't until the 1980s that that was actually removed out of our system. So knowing that, and then also knowing that there's kind of, especially in certain parts of the military culture, there are expectations for military spouses to stay at home, be the sole support, be the person who makes sure everything at home is being taken care of so the service member doesn't have to worry about it. And also 
there's a little bit of expectation of volunteerism on military spouses. So how can you volunteer effectively if you're out there working? All these things are all very ingrained cultural things that are under the radar that are more inside our community that people don't really know about. So if you've got all these constraints, you've got employers that don't want to hire you because you're going to leave, you've got a culture that's telling you, yeah, you should probably stay home and not work. And you've got a really difficult time with staying continuous with your work because you're moving or getting career level work and you're super educated, which most military spouses, I think closer to 60% of military spouses have college degrees. So those are three big things that really work against us in terms of employment and dual careers in military families. So interesting idea that you bring up, the idea that employers might actually see being part of a military family as a negative, which I find abhorrent, is the idea to get those people to be listening to this podcast so they can get a sense that that's not really the way the world works? Or is it more about empowering the other military spouses to give them the tools that they need to make a sound argument in favor of them as a candidate over somebody else who, as you said, either way, there's a good chance either one of them is going to leave within the next two to three years. Yep. So the mission of the podcast really is both. It's to share the stories. Instead of telling stories, I like other military spouses to come on and say, hey, when I am trying to maintain my career as an attorney or as a social worker or whatever, this this is what I've done. These are the challenges I've had so that other military spouses can learn from their stories and use the resources that they recommend. And I think our military spouses that I've had on the podcast have recommended lots of great resources resources and just given lots of good tips for how to maintain their careers throughout active duty. But it is also about putting the stories out in front of people who are employers and who are maybe looking for, I'm sure you know, a lot of companies right now, they're really big on talking diversity and inclusion. And this is a population that meets a lot of diversity markers. Military spouses are about 93% female. And we come from a very wide background. Saying military spouse is kind of like saying American. <laughs> We're all over the place. We're, we could be anything from any background, poor or wealthy, whatever it is. And so we are a diverse population. And so my hope by sharing a lot on LinkedIn with the network that I've built just from my professional career is to get other employers to notice that these are viable candidates for the positions that they have, and to maybe not just be so dismissive right away because of the length of time that they could be there or could not be there. And also to start thinking about some options that could not only benefit military spouses, but every person who needs flexibility or portability. And portability, I will say, uh, because we get a lot of questions about this, portability does not mean work from home or remote. This might mean being able to take your career from one company to another because maybe your company has a partnership with somebody else. Maybe it means that, maybe it does mean you're working remotely in a different town for a little while or switching to working in a virtual space. But I want to drive home that employers need to start thinking overall, looking at the future of work, need to start thinking about how do we be more inclusive with people who need a bit more of a flexible schedule because of whatever is going on in their life. Maybe they're taking care of an ill parent or maybe they've just got something really big happening and things that happen a lot to military spouses, they certainly happen to civilians. So I'm hoping that the podcast will help change those minds as well and start planting those seeds too. And then also, and maybe you've alluded to this and I'm not 100% sure, but are you also potentially advocating 
the military complex as well to be aware of some of these issues, maybe think about providing alternative services that would make it easier on military spouses to have a career. Daycare obviously being, I don't want to say an easy thing to offer, but something that would clearly make it a lot easier for someone to have a career if they have. Yeah. So here's the interesting thing about this research, and it's not just research I'm doing, it's research a lot of people have done, is that there are plenty of services available to military spouses and military families that are provided by the Department of Defense and are also provided by private companies. And what I'm starting to uncover is that despite the presence of all these services, people aren't being able to take advantage of them or aren't taking advantage of them properly, or they just don't even know they exist. So I will give you the childcare example because you brought that up. The Department of Defense does typically provide what they call child development centers or CVCs on board various installations, most installations where your spouse might be stationed. But the wait list for these programs is incredible. I mean, in fact, this morning I just read a story about what they call a black market child care. I never heard that term before. But a military family inside a military installation in Hawaii had set up a child care that wasn't approved. And the neighbors had complained because they'd seen children sort of being neglected and the base really didn't do anything about it, allegedly. And then a child recently died in this quote unquote black market child care And, you know, and that's part of the problem ultimately leads back to the fact that we can't find reliable licensed childcare from base to base. If it's there, it's not enough of a service. Like there aren't enough providers as part of the CDC structure. So again, it just is devastating to hear that that family lost their baby. But at the same time, you feel like I'm sure the circumstances where they were just trying to make another income and they needed childcare and they went to where they could find. So part of my project at USC is definitely looking more into the reasons why we're not using the services that are provided. Could be overcrowding, I guess, is something you could say about that particular situation. It could be lack of knowledge. It could be just insufficient support services. Right. I want to know on the flip side, why isn't there enough resources available for all the families and all the potential children? Right. And that is part of the challenge. And that's what's worth to me looking into. It's worth bringing it up on the podcast because, like I said, military spouses do want to be in the workforce and many of them do. So what are those big barriers and why, if we have these support services here and there, are they not enough? Why are they not sufficient to handle the service members and their families, many of whom on the younger side are living at the poverty line, a lot of them. And most people don't know that as well. You know, there are a lot of military families on the junior side who aren't really getting paid a whole lot of money to make ends meet for their families. And so it's not just an option. It's not just military spouses wanting to work to feel valuable or not bored. It's like, no kidding, I have to make some money here. So my family will at least be keeping its head above water. And that to me is a crime, absolute crime, considering how hard service members work and where they work and the conditions. This shouldn't be the case. It shouldn't be a problem. I used to work with someone all the time who would say supporting our troops isn't just about the bumper sticker that you put on your car and the your claims of patriotism. It's about making sure that our troops and that the people who have volunteered to take on this incredible task, incredible journey that they're taken care of. And so advocacy in this part, making sure that the families of our 
military personnel are also being taken care of is so important. And so I hope people hearing this can understand that it's phenomenal that somebody is willing to volunteer and serve and the military should take better care of that person, especially. But for that person to be around the globe and have to think about whether or not their kid is in a safe daycare or whether their spouse is depressed or whether they're making ends meet off doing this incredible thing on behalf of our nation, that's what supporting our troops needs to also be about is making sure that they are in fact supported, not just stickered or carb. To that end, everybody here on Cause Pods, we select a, a charity of their choosing, something that the guest wants to support and, and want to see getting some additional funding and some additional attention. You have chosen the unquiet professional, and this is in memory of Staff Sergeant Michael H. Simpson. Tell us a little bit about the unquiet professional and why this cause is so important to you. Sure. So the Unquiet Professional, or TUP, as they shorten it to, is... Love their acronyms. <laughs> I love that you got to have acronyms in the military. They have an incredible mission, in my opinion. And I do have a little bit of bias, I will say, because my coworker, Molly Parsons, is one of the co-founders of this organization, along with Chris Anderson, whose husband was killed on active duty and was the inspiration for this organization. But what they do is they raise funds to help take care of Gold Star families. Gold Star families are those families who have lost their active duty service member in combat. So they'll do things like sponsoring a trip to Disney World for a family of Gold Star children or helping out with expenses and for a Gold Star family after they've lost their loved one. I think it's an incredible cause and it's run by a small group of military spouses and they absolutely have every bit of love and heart and compassion and passion in this organization. And I would love for people to support that because really when we talk about, like you were talking about, Matthew, the sacrifices that people make, the ultimate sacrifice you make is your life. And the ultimate sacrifices military families make are the lives of the people they love the most. And so I would love it if y'all would support the Unquiet Professional. Well, as always, we'll have a link to donation page directly to the Unquiet Professional, as well as links to the You Can Hear So Unbecoming with Jamie Muscoff. And Jamie, just we always ask this of folks, for other people out there who are hearing about what you do, your journey, how you're using podcasts to make a difference, what advice would you give to somebody else who's thinking about launching a podcast, who is thinking about going down this road, anything that they any mistakes that maybe you could help them avoid or encouragement for why they should go ahead and take on this journey? Sure. The number one piece of advice I have is listen to the voice inside of yourself that is telling you that you have a story or you have other people's stories to share. I can't tell you how long I sat with this idea for So Unbecoming in my brain. And I just literally every day would come up in my head, like, you've got to do something in this format. You've got to do it. And I just kind of put it off to the side. So I just kept doing it. And finally, one day I was like, all right, (laughs) I have to do this. So listen to that. Listen to that voice inside yourself saying you have something to say or that you have the ability to advocate for other people who have something to say. And the other thing is just do it. There are lots of really easy ways to start podcasting. I started with probably the easiest way to do it, and that's using the Anchor platform. Thanks to Gary V. He did a lot of promo (laughs) for Anchor in the beginning, but definitely it's probably one of the easiest things you can do on your phone. Literally, you could record 
audio to your phone. You can dial people in to have guests and they have all these really cute little (laughs) sound bites and things like that that you can add to your podcast. And it's just so easy to publish. So look for a platform. doesn't have to be Anchor, but look for something that will help you get started super easy. And then definitely the, you know, the last piece of advice I would say is join a community of some sort so you can learn because I definitely hopped on board the podcast movements Facebook group and I went to a meetup, a local meetup. It doesn't have to be podcast movement. It could be any local podcasters meetup and go and see what other people are doing and find out what they're using. It could be just what mic are they using? What headphones are they using? What what advice would they give you? There's so many communities out there that you can join to get really good advice on how to do a podcast. So definitely always start with listening to that voice and really understanding and holding on to that why of yours and just doing it and then getting connected in a community that can help support you in your learning during the process. That's fantastic advice and so encouraging and I don't think I could have said it better myself, so <laughs> I'm not going to try to. Jamie Muscoff, she's the host of So Unbecoming. You can find out more. Obviously, we're going to have a link to the show directly in the show notes here for Cause Pods. But if you want to learn more, if you want to find it directly, you can go to sounbecoming.com. For now, that's going to take you to the Anchor Landing page where you can listen to the show on any of your favorite podcasting platforms. And, of course, we'll also have a donation link to The Unquiet Professional. But if you want to check out their work, theunquietprofessional.org. Jamie, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us here on CausePods today. Thank you so much for having me, Matthew. Thanks for listening to this episode of CausePods. Again, if you've been inspired by the work of our guests, please check out the show notes in your podcast app or at causepods.org. There you will find links to their work and a special donation link to support their favorite efforts. From there, you can also follow and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you enjoy your podcasts. And remember, if you have a cause pod and want to join me for an interview, please check out causepods.org and fill out the interview request form. If approved, we'll schedule you for a chat and share the amazing work you're doing with the CausePod audience. Thanks again, and see you next time on CausePods. Pods.